0: Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. As the former president gears up for what is anticipated to be a hard fought primary, his toughest opponent will likely be Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. That is, if the governor decides to throw his hat in the ring, which many think he will. To assess next, we're happy to have former senior advisor and counsel to former President Trump, Jenna Ellis. Jenna Ellis, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Jenna, former President Trump kicked off his 2024 presidential campaign over the weekend with a stop in New Hampshire, New Hampshire and South Carolina. Along the way, uh, while on his plane, uh, he seemed to have fired a warning shot of sorts at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Let's play a clip and get your reaction.
2: So Ron would have not been governor if it wasn't for me, and that's okay. And uh, number one, he wouldn't have gotten a nomination. And number two, he wouldn't have beaten uh, his Democrat opponent. So then when I hear he might run, you know, I consider that very disloyal, but it's not about loyalty.
1: Well, I think that what President Trump is saying is absolutely true. Everyone forgets the margin of victory was very narrow in Ron DeSantis's 2018 campaign. And, listen, this is classic President Trump, where it is all about loyalty to him. But I think um, it remains to be seen how the voting base is going to take this. A lot of people are very pro-DeSantis. He has an over 85 percent popularity among the GOP base. And so whether or not uh, Donald Trump attacking him is going to ultimately pan out for his campaign and be a net positive, I think, remains to be seen. And so Ron DeSantis is very wisely not engaging at this point. And so while President Trump has, of course, officially uh, launched his campaign and he is uh, trying to clear the field, which he can do, um, I think that a lot of people are looking at this as potentially an unwise move for his campaign.
0: Jenna, to your point about the support that Governor DeSantis has, there's another prominent Republican, uh, Governor John Sununu of New Hampshire, who teased a potential presidential bid over the weekend. The possible field seems to be mounting. Is there a concern that Republicans might cause more damage to themselves in the primary?
1: I- think so. I mean, in 2016, we had a wide field of 18 or 19 candidates initially on stage. And of course, uh, Donald Trump led that pack. I think that he's leading the pack now. And it's going to come down to just him and Ron DeSantis. I think anyone else is so below the margin of approval rating and support that really the weight is behind these two. And I think that's why uh, Donald Trump is specifically going after Ron DeSantis and trying to preempt him from, e- from even entering the race. And that's probably a smart move, uh, But at the same time, we know that Ron DeSantis and his advisors are very seriously considering a presidential run. And this is very different than 2016. At that time, Donald Trump had just promises to run on. Now he has an actual track record and that cuts both ways because he does have promises made, promises kept. He was the best president of my lifetime. But he also now has uh, some net negatives, and his campaign is going to ultimately have to review how they're going to message that uh, with the COVID vaccines and some other things. And I think that attacking Ron DeSantis for not opening Florida soon enough is not really the best advice that people can give Donald Trump who support his campaign.
0: To your point about uh, former President Trump and DeSantis being leaders of the pack, uh, typically, you know, when you're leading the pack, you're going to come under more fire. Uh, Sununu, uh, in his gubernatorial inaugural speech earlier in the month, seemed to take a swipe at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' uh, stance against woke corporations like Disney and others. Uh, let's play a clip. And just because I may not like something or agree with what you might have said doesn't mean it needs to be fixed. I sure as heck don't like what every business might do. I, I might not like whatever may, what every mayor does or what every school or school district does but they're accountable to their own voters. They're accountable to their local constituents. And at last I checked, people don't need politicians or corporate boardrooms telling them what is right and what is wrong. Jenna, does the New Hampshire governor have a point or does he lack understanding of the seriousness of woke ideology?
1: Well, woke ideology is absolutely serious, and I think that we need to combat that. But we always have to make sure, as conservatives, we're doing that within the margins of the Constitution. Now, I have been a very vocal advocate for staying within the margins of the Constitution and calling out Ron DeSantis for his uh, what I consider First Amendment retaliation against Disney for exercising its constitutionally protected speech. And, of course, Ron DeSantis uh, isn't specifically answering those types of questions. He just has the tagline, go woke, go broke. and while that may curry a lot of favor among the GOP base, for more cooler heads, they're going to consider uh, whether or not this is a really a good idea to take to the federal level and into the White House, when really it's exercising authority and weaponizing state agencies outside the margins of the Constitution that we wouldn't agree with if it was a Democrat doing the same thing against the corporation exercising its free speech, for example, in the state of New York or California. So I do think that, Rhonda Santis is going to have to answer to this uh, bigger than just the cheers of the GOP base but actually show why it is constitutional and I would be all ears for that type of argument but I haven't seen him lay that out.
0: Jen Ellis really appreciate your perspective thank you. Thanks so much. Democratic Congresswoman Ilan Omar she's been under scrutiny for her comments on Jews and Israel and joining us next to discuss Omar and anti-Semitism, we have Dan Pollack from the Zionist Organization of America. Dan Pollack, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, great to be here, Steve.
0: Dan, I'd like to get your thoughts. Congresswoman Ilan Omar, I'd like to get your reaction to some comments that she made over the weekend on CNN. So, When you apologized uh, for the, all about the Benjamins <clears throat> comment, you said anti-Semitism is real and I'm grateful for Jewish allies and colleagues who are educating me on the painful history of anti-Semitic tropes. What did you learn?
2: A lot. Um, I certainly did not or was not aware that the word hypnotize uh, was a trope. Um, I wasn't aware um, of, of the fact that there are tropes about Jews and money.
0: Dan, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the Congresswoman's response. And is there more of a prominent anti-Jewish sentiment within the Congress than one might expect?
2: We've been very concerned about anti-Semitism within the Congress. she uh, it, it strains credulity to believe that she didn't know that what she said was anti-Semitic. Uh, basically, everyone in this country knows about stereotypes about Jews and money and the false charge that Jews uh, somehow control America and our financial system. So I have a, lo- a great deal of trouble believing her. I think that she has a record after her apology of saying additional anti-Semitic things. And there is no reason she should be serving on the Foreign Relations Committee, Foreign Affairs Committee in the House. Uh, ZOA actually does advocate for removing her from all committees. But Uh, the only thing that is really being contemplated now is making sure she doesn't do damage to our country on the Foreign Relations Committee of the House.
0: Dan, there's some concerns over these uh, leftist charities um, that that donate to Democrats, Democratic-affiliated, that are actually funding anti-Israel causes, even terror groups. Uh, How widespread is this?
2: This is an old game that the uh, terrorist groups have been playing. They establish subordinate charities, which are supposedly clean. And then each time each charity gets traced to an actual terrorist group, they disavow it and make everyone try to prove the connection time and time again. In this case, we're talking about the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, PFLP is what they're called. And they are unbelievably vicious. Some of the people that were involved in the recent killings at the synagogue in Israel in Jerusalem this weekend were affiliated with them. And they are uh, one of the worst. They're funded by Iran. And leftist groups in the United States give money, either knowingly or unknowingly, to these groups. In this case, Five major traded corporations, including Pepsi, Paramount, CBS, and Lyft, um, contributed money to this charity based in Arizona, in your in your backyard. Where the uh, bottom line is, the money ultimately ended up going to a PFLP-affiliated group, and this is against the law, and the penalties are severe. And people should know that if they're giving money, individuals or corporations, to these terrorist groups, they are liable to criminal prosecution.
0: So you mentioned some of these corporations, Dan. Uh, there's another uh, group that's coming under scrutiny right now. I believe it's called the Alliance for Global uh, Justice. Um, who are some of the individuals, if you will, that are also supporting these folks?
2: They are many individuals. One of the one of the most horrible examples is a woman named uh, Vijaya Gadia, who was formerly a Twitter executive, uh, the very same person who coordinated Twitter's efforts to suppress the laptop of Hunter Biden and prevent the American public from finding out about it before the election. She and her husband gave $5,000 to this same uh, group. And again, we don't know that she knew that it was a PFLP Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, terrorist connection. But it is known that they're supporters of everything anti-American. They're heavily identified with the Nicaraguan regime, the Marxist regime in Nicaragua, the Sandinistas, and are overtly anti-American. So at the very least, we can say that these individuals who gave money, the important thing to remember here is it's all connected. The anti-Americanism, the anti-Israelism, the Marxism, and the connection to terrorist groups. These are all things that are going on. The IRS is investigating, we're told, although of course the IRS won't speak about any investigation in progress. Uh, We have reason to believe that um, at least this particular charity will uh, either be shut down or stop uh, funneling money, money to the PFLP, the American Designated Terrorist Group. But it's a horrible pattern. And unfortunately, once we shut down this charity, there'll be another one where people who hate America and hate Israel, usually the same people, will have an opportunity to donate. And it's a little bit like whack-a-mole. The moment you identify a charity that is uh, criminally identified as funneling money to a terrorist group, another one pops up and you have to start the process over again.
0: Dan Pollack, really appreciate you joining us.